Welcome. I am uh, thrilled that you're here uh, with us, that we get the opportunity to do this together. Um, the, that first song we sang is a song that I grew up uh, singing often in church. Um, and I all I remember of this song is the Alleluia part, because that's all I would sing. I just mumble. Alleluia. As a kid, it was, you know, really exciting. Um, and fun, but I, even the feel, you know, I didn't know what I was singing necessarily. I didn't even, um, uh, remember that we were necessarily singing about Jesus raising from the dead, someone conquering death, saving us. I didn't, I, there was still something about that song. Whoever wrote that song and that music, it like encapsulates what Easter is, right? This, hallelujah. if you've never sang it before, um, we actually, today we're looking up on YouTube versions of, uh, uh, the choir singing it. There's something triumphant, right? Our King has conquered death and has risen from the grave. Um, I I recently heard a story about Easter um, that uh, I, I I love, um, and not real recently, but pretty recently from a friend. And I want to share as we begin looking at what this uh, why this day is so important. Again, if you have a Bible, uh, if you want like a paper Bible that you like to use. Uh, grab that now. We have some scripture we're going to look at uh, uh, today. Otherwise, uh, again, on that link online, you can get all that, um, uh, all that stuff. So uh, here we go. Um, I, uh, I I heard from a friend this this great story about Easter. It's one of my favorite Easter stories. I've been excited to share it with you. Um, uh, as a kid, uh, a friend of mine remembers this very vividly, and you're going to find out why they remember it so vividly. They came to church um, on Easter. And uh, the pastor at the church, maybe you've heard my wife actually has had this experience. They had baby chicks, like little actual alive baby chickens at the church. They had like um, little swimming pools with them in it and kids could play with them, uh, which is wild to me. Um, and they, so kids could play with them. And then during, during church, there's this time in their church where right before the sermon, the pastor would, would come down and sit like on the steps in the front of the, ser- the service uh, in the front of the room and kids would come up, they call it kids church or the children's sermon or whatever. And, um, I grew up with that. And, and this pastor said, come up, kids, come gather, gather. And they gathered up front and he pulled out, uh, from behind his back, a baby chick and held it up to them. It was a real chick. It was chip, 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 you know, and they were, Oh, how cool a baby chick. And they were touching it and, uh, and, and petting it and, you know, like, uh, playing with the chick and, uh, he, he, uh, was talking about how, how cool is this, uh, little chick. And we actually got one for all of you. You can take it home, which as a parent, not something I want my kid to just come home with a chicken. Um, and he, he was going to use it though in this children's sermon. They, often the children's sermon had this great illustration. So what he did was he, he held the chick up and they talked about how much they loved it and how beautiful it was. And and said, do you guys know the story of Easter? Well, we, we can't have the story of Easter without the story of Good Friday, and that's all one story. And so he shared about Jesus coming uh, to earth, and he was born as a baby, like this baby chick. And he actually did all these miracles and all these things. And he held the chick up like this. And he said, uh, and then Jesus was crucified on a cross, holding this chick up. He didn't crucify the chick. He said, crucified a cross, and then went in the grave, and he covered the chick up. He said, how? how do we feel right now? And they said, Oh, that's sad. We can't see the chick. And that would be sad. But he said, but, but thankfully today on Easter, 
he is risen. And he, he is risen. Open his hands. My friend telling me this story said he'd never, never forget this moment. It was like, he is risen. And in his hand was a dead baby chick. <laughs> Somehow in the process of covering up the chicken in front of the whole church, in front of little kids in front of him, he had, someone crushed it. I don't know. Or maybe the chicken had a little heart attack. I don't know. Maybe it was the chick's time to go. Right? The Lord decided to take it right then. But he crushed the chick in his hand. And so the kids are devastated. People are crying. Kids are crying. I'm sure there was a few other adults probably crying. What are we going to do with this chicken? Holding in his hand, right? Kids are devastated. His illustration is destroyed, right? That was not, he was supposed to be alive. Yay! Hop off, right? And do some miracles and run around the room. Um, but the baby chick wasn't Jesus. And so the baby chick did rise. Sad. A very, very memorable illustration. Um, can you imagine what those kids were feeling in that moment? Just in that it didn't rot. It's this cute little chick. This is so sad. It's the chick. I'm going to bring it home. Is this going to happen to it? Probably. Yeah. It, it Crazy, right? I, I I think that's such an amazing. I What a moment it would be to be there. I'm sure everyone there will never forget that moment. And today we get a moment. But in real life, uh, we get to that moment and and thank God, thank our Lord that, uh, right, the tomb was open and actually Jesus wasn't even there. There wasn't a dead Jesus body. There was no Jesus. He's, he was already alive. He was already gone. And we get to see that moment. And so we're going to look here in Matthew 28, just a few passages today to just sit and enjoy how good that is. And also, I, my hope is we'd be a little challenged and encouraged to think about uh, maybe some other things that we hope are going to bring life that don't, that we end up finding out are, are just dead, right? Um, and so let's be encouraged today in, in God's word. So we're opening to Matthew 20 is a passage you read to start our service. Um, and I'm going to continue that uh, passage here. After the Sabbath at dawn, this is Matthew 21. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. So these are Marys. These are disciples of Jesus, people who followed him. And just days before this had watched him crucified, murdered, suffered, died, was carried into a tomb, was laid in the tomb, was dead. And not just that their friend had died, but the person who they thought was going to bring them freedom, was going to have power over all things, was was going to give them life, that was going to uh, push away the oppressors, and, and, and was going to bring this new reign of the king who will be king forever, who they'd been close to as a friend, but also as Lord, as God was dead. All, all their hopes were gone. They, can you imagine this moment? They, the way they maybe even walked to the tomb. I, mean, I can imagine their heads down. They're coming to see their Jesus in the tomb, just continue to mourn his death. Probably just saying, like, can this even be true? Is this even real? Uh, and, uh, and everything changes. They get to the tomb and everything changes. It's not what they expected. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, going to the tomb. 
rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance were like, was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. There is this earthquake. Uh, there, there are things out of the control of people that God had to do. There's, a, there's this angel that comes and pushes the stone that covered the tomb away. This messenger, this representative of God, rolls back the tomb. He's glowing on top of this stone that covered the tomb. This is, it appears has to be so intense. In fact, it tells us how intense this, this moment is. It's so intense that the people guarding the tomb were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. They pass out just from the moment of this earth-shaking, tomb-opening, angel sitting on that stone. Could you imagine them? What is going on? The stone is moving. They look up, and there's this glorious, glowing angel, this messenger of God, and they pass out. And the intensity of it. Can you imagine like intense music swelling at this point? This epic music as the angel glows. The screen is so bright we can't see because he's glowing. Finally, he comes into focus. And then we see passed out guards because of this amazing moment. And we also get this word used in this for the first time in this passage that we're going to see a few times. It says they were so afraid of him that they shook and became. This word afraid, this this idea of fear and being afraid comes up often over and over in these few verses. And uh, I think it's there for a reason. But they become so afraid, overwhelmed. Uh, but the women are there and they apparently were not so afraid that they shook and passed out. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen. Just as he said. So he reminds them that he had said this before. Excuse me. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Jesus who is dead, who you came to see, his dead body or at least just mourn in his grave, this conquered death. Remember he told you he was going to do that? Do you remember he told you that he had come and to die so that you would not have to die? That he'd be the lamb who would be slaughtered and his blood shed so that your blood would not be shed? Remember how he said you're going to have to get together and, and drink wine and eat bread and remember that he's done this? He did it. He's alive. Remember how you deserved the death penalty for your treason? Remember how you worship creation instead of the creator? And because of your disobedience, you had death coming to you? Well, he conquered that death. He died for you, and now he has conquered it. He did it. He conquered death. He has put death in his grave. Nobody could do this except God himself, and he's come to do it. He even, he even asked them, he says, I'm, I'm serious. Go and look. There's no body in there. In other accounts, we're going to read another one in a moment. They, they actually go, they, they go and look and see there's just the linen that he was in laying there. Um, not even like torn off, thrown around as if he like, his body, like he jolted back alive, like he wasn't really dead. Just linen is wrapped there as if he, his body had disappeared and he had come back in his new body. 
death has been defeated and he is risen. Can you imagine the moment, the switch from how, how could this have happened? There is no hope. What will we put our hope in now? Because we thought this was the hope of the world. And then in a moment, this angel in all of its intensity says, uh, he's risen. Actually, he's not dead. And, and actually, this, this needed to happen so that he could conquer death. So after this moment, the women, it says in verse 8, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, afraid in this moment, what is going on, yet filled with joy. All of a sudden, this fear that we saw in the guards, and I'm sure fear in them, in what's going to happen, what, what will become of our world and our lives and our families, that Jesus is dead. Now there's fear, but now joy is creeping in. Like a like dawn, right? Like all of a sudden the sun's coming up and this this darkness is fading and there's joy that is filling them. And they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. He they're running to tell the disciples, and Jesus is there with them. In other accounts, we get to hear he comes as a gardener. At first, they don't even recognize him, and he talks to them. They're so uh, afraid, filled with joy. I'm sure thinking, is this really happening? What What else could it be? This stone, maybe the guards took his body. Maybe the government took his body. Maybe dogs took his body. What could it be? How could he have disappeared? What happened to him? And just to confirm that he is risen and alive, he appears to them right there. And then, and he says, greetings. Uh, I love that he just greets them as friends. He says, they came to him. You imagine how this felt in a few moments, their life went from hopeless, afraid to the one who your hope was in is actually alive and has actually conquered death. And so their response is very, very understandable. And what we expect, right? They see Jesus. He is alive. He says, hello. And they grasp his feet and they worship him. The response is, you're alive. We found the one who we can put our hope in, who isn't ever going to change or leave us, has defeated death, and they grab him and they worship him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So this story actually goes on. He, Jesus actually encounters some people on the roadside and explains to them that all of Scripture is about him. Um, and, and like, it, it just lights up their world. They all of a sudden go, oh, all of it makes sense. They realize that this death and his resurrection are all part of this plan for God to rescue his people. But in this moment, he just says to these women who are the, who are the first to get to, to see him, uh, go now and tell everyone this, this is real. I've risen from the dead. This this brings up, we're going to look at Luke's uh, uh view of this, see how Luke uh, explains this moment too. Before we do, I, I want to just look at this passage and just bring to light a thing that I think is very important. I think there's this great fear that we can live in, and there's this great joy we can live in. Um, and, and we have this fear from things around us that seem to be coming towards us to take the things that we love or the things that we want, or maybe the desires that we have, or we have this joy that comes from knowing as if it fills us and we can then go out into the world. It's kind of this fear that comes of things 
kind of at us and we have a joy that comes from things. And I think in this moment, we see this happen. There's this fear, afraid, this hopelessness that has to be in these, these women and these men that are disciples, followers who are actually aren't even there that are hiding somewhere because they're, they're afraid of, uh, of probably just they're emotionally afraid of what's going to happen uh, around me, what's going to happen with my life, where my hope was in Jesus, and what's going to go, what's going to happen not us in our relationship with God, but also they're in fear of the government, people around them. Now that they know we're associated with this guy, are we going to be crucified? These these courageous, brave women though step out like we're still going to go mourn him. Um, but in all of that, there's this fear of of things. It's gonna it's gonna strip away the control I have around me. It's gonna strip away the comfort I have. The power now is to these other things, but how quickly that changes when we know that Jesus has risen from the dead and conquered the thing no one else can conquer or have control over. All of a sudden we have a joy that enters us and now I can step into scary, hard situations and it changes things. And so we this this real truth that we see throughout scripture, choosing death or choosing life comes to bear right here. And, and we see that death ultimately brings fear and life brings joy. And, and we're going to see that now in Luke. So if you want to turn to Luke, um, or just listen along. In Luke 24, we hear Luke's account. So, so in another gospel, first we hear in Matthew's gospel, now we hear in Luke's a gospel, of another account that just continues to fill out this story as if you had talked to four friends who had experienced the same thing. You get to hear all their parts of the story, which fills it out. And we're going to hear even more this moment. And in, in Luke's, he highlights another thing that the angel said to them that is going to be really important um, to the rest of our time. So Luke 24, verse 1. Uh, Good Friday has happened. Jesus has been put in the grave. And again, it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them. Again, these are messengers of God glowing intensely in front of them in their fright. Again, there's that fear. The women bowed with their faces to the ground. They're fearing these angels, and it, it has to add to all of the emotions and all that's going on and the fear of the future and what will happen without Jesus. Listen to what the men said to them. These angels said, why do you look for the living among the dead? Oh, oh I picture almost like looking, laughing at each other, with each other, right? Why are they looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you? While he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners, be crucified, and the third day he will be raised again. Then they remembered these words. Do you hear how they started their conversation, though, with these women? They say, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Why do we look for life in death? Why are you looking for Jesus here in a tomb? He's alive. Do you not remember? He said he was going to die, and then he was going to raise from the dead, and he did. And thanks to Matthew's account and their gospel accounts, we know that as that fills out, the same things happen. They go tell the disciples. They actually meet Jesus. They see him. 
Uh, they go on to all seeing Jesus. If you remember the stories, uh, Jesus actually like walks through the wall and comes into this place they're hiding, and Thomas doubts, and he touches Jesus' side, and he believes, and Jesus goes on, and they say hundreds of other people see him, and he, he uh, shows that he actually is alive, and then eventually ascends to heaven. And we wait now for him to come back. And in that, though, we um, we hear this phrase, and I think this this uh, phrase is one that we could have read throughout all of Scripture. How many moments in the story of God's people could have started with walking into a scene of people and saying, why are you looking for life in death? Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? This has been your tradition, and all it does is bring brokenness. Why don't you look for life in life? And there's one thing that is life, and his name is Jesus. I think we look for death. We look for life in death in lots of places in our life. For me, I, I see this come out in, especially right now, as I'm in my house because I'm staying at home to keep people safe, and I'm learning what it looks like to to relinquish some things and realize how much I'm looking for my hope in things that actually don't necessarily bring life, like control. I want things to be in control. I want to get to pick when I do things or how things work. I want to pick when my kids are going to like do their schoolwork and when they will like obey me and be quiet and let me do something, right? I want to control things around me. I want to be comfortable. I, I want comfort to be my hope. If I can just be comfortable, all things will be okay. And I find out be just being comfortable and pursuing comfort ultimately only brings more death and more brokenness. And so I pursue comfort when comfort actually ends up being death. I look for life in something that ultimately doesn't bring life and wasn't created to bring life. I want power. I don't want other people in charge. I don't want other people to tell me what I have to do. I want people to say I have to stay at home. Uh, I, I want to be in charge. I want to be powerful. And so as I try to make Drew the most powerful, I find that looking for life in that only brings death and, and and for me security i want to feel safe and that things are going to be okay and so i look to many strategies and i have been trained and i've read books and i have a degree from a university and so i should be able to figure all things out and make sure things safe and secure around me and i can't uh, and so i try that and i find out that doesn't work and it destroys me and it, it hurts me and I feel the brokenness. And so again, I looked for life in something that was dead. Why am I looking for life in dead things when I can look to the one who brings life? It actually brings all those things, comfort and security and power. It's one of my favorite uh, uh, quotes is from C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory. Um, it's actually a really common quote people often quote, but it's, for me, it really, uh, it really helps me think about the world around me and how I'm thinking about the world. As we kind of end our time here in the Word, I want to read this and just share a little bit before we take communion together. C.S. Lewis says in The Weight of Glory, listen to this, he paints this beautiful picture. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too, not too strong. He's talking about, uh, oh, I think we should... We worship things too strongly around us. We, we go after everything else uh, instead of Jesus. And he's saying, I, it, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition 
when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. We are in the moment easily pleased by mud pies. Can you picture this? Can you picture a kid playing in mud in the slums, in brokenness, and thinking, this is as good as it gets, I guess, looking for life in what is really dead, when he's unaware that there's actually a holiday at the sea. Can you, I imagine him, I imagine him playing in mud and right behind him is the sea. You just have to turn around and look. There's the ocean. There's the beach. He can run and play in the ocean and jump in the waves. And there's others to gather around him and play, but he just continues to play in the mud. And I think this is how I often see myself looking for life in death. I continue to play in the mud and move to another puddle thinking this is as good as it gets. And that puddle's a little bigger. That puddle's a little cleaner. That puddle has some like sticks I can build things with forgetting that behind me is the ocean I can run into and play and jump in the waves. I am far too easily pleased by those things and is good news today that Jesus has risen from the dead because he is life and we can turn to him. Right at this moment, we can turn to him. This idol of comfort for me has been, uh, has been seems to shout out at me during all this COVID stuff. Um, I want things to feel good, or at least just not real uncomfortable. I, I can truly believe sometimes that if I'm comfortable, I don't have pain, I don't have discomfort, there's no conflict. If everyone around me just lets me do what I want to do, that I will find this immense joy in this life, and, and, and all things will be right. If I have money, happy people, obedient children, if my wife is happy and she likes me, then everything will be fine. If I can just put my hope in that basket, all things will be fine, and I do, and it isn't. And my soul aches for a hope that will not change, that it actually brings life. So I don't have to be afraid and scared and uncomfortable. And we have that life because Jesus has risen. He has conquered death. He brings us life. I can turn to him. I worry about COVID. I worry about coronavirus because I worry how it's going to affect me and my family and the things around me. It can consume my thoughts. It can consume what I'm looking at uh, online or the research I'm trying to do. It can control our lives. And right in this moment, it's one of the things I think that it gains power over us. It's made me feel unsafe. You're at Target, everyone's wearing masks. I'm looking at the guy who's getting too close to me. And I'm like, who is this guy? Is he trying to infect me in my household? You know, I'm ready to throw down in the bread aisle because because the mask guy, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of poorly of people around me. Like they're all out to get each other and they're all infected. I completely lose sight of, of uh, the world and Jesus and, God, and all the things that I was created to do. And what I lose sight of is I look for life and death instead of looking to the one who has life. Friends, we have a victorious king who created the universe. He created love and comfort 
in control. He is in control and he is safe. He made the mountains and the air and the seas and the sunsets. He made you and he made me. He knows every part of all of us down to each one of our hairs. He actually knew us before the earth was created. He actually had a plan for us before the earth was created and a plan for good things, a plan to use us to bring peace and justice and love to those around us. And right now he sits on his throne. Jesus has risen and he sits on his throne. And our God, our loving father, will do unthinkable, the unthinkable thing of even giving his own son, Christ, so that we could be adopted into his family. He saves us and loves us and calls us his sons and daughters. Even though we're sinners and we sin against him and we turn against him, he runs to us with open arms. He calls us back to him. And he will come again and make all things right. He will defeat Satan and sin and all this stuff that feels wrong and broken. He will cancel sadness and make a home for us in eternity. But I decide to turn and play in a mud puddle and say, oh man, what are we gonna do about this uh, virus? Forgetting our victorious king who has risen from the grave. He's defeated death. I think he's got coronavirus handled. And so as we end, I uh, encourage us to think, where is our hope? Are we looking for, for life in death? You don't have to. Christ is risen. We have to stop looking for life in the graveyards. And stop looking for the living amongst the dead. I've been encouraged this week uh, by Psalm 86. I just want to read it to you. This, could, this has been a psalm that I've been reading to myself or uh, uh, in moments where I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling like things are coming at me. I'm feeling like I'm fearing, uh, fearing of all these things. And I want to I wanna have joy from uh, Christ. I, I've been reading this. It's been encouraging to me. So Psalm 86, let me read this to you. And I have a couple of thoughts as we, before we take communion here together. Psalm 86 says, verse 11, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. An undivided heart. Not turning to this and this and this. Turning to the one that brings life. I will praise you, Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Here it is. This, this is, what, this is the, the phrase that I've been saying over and over my head. Because uh, I want to believe this in all moments. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. He's pulled us from the dead. We no longer have to rely on dead things for hope. Great is your love towards me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Amen. That's good news. A couple of things I encourage us to reflect and, and think about this week. Do you know that Jesus has conquered sin and death and he offers you life? He comes to you and says, greetings. You, you just need to fall at your, on your knees and cling to him and worship him. He's not asking you to perform or do anything. He's asking you to cling to him for life. He's not asking you to create life and a strategy. And he's going to say, hey, good work. Do that and you'll have life. He's saying, hold on to me. And you'll have life. Will you cling to life or death today? And what are your greatest fears today? Where are you looking for life? 
but maybe finding death? What do you need to turn from and put hope in Jesus? What, what mud puddles are we playing in, forgetting that there's a beautiful ocean behind us? And the last two questions, who is it that helps you do this? Do you have people around you who will say, hey, you're playing in mud. There's an ocean. Let's go. Let's go play in the ocean. Who's inviting you to the ocean today? If you don't, if you don't feel like you have those people, we want to be those people. Again, we'd love to hear from you. We want to connect you to people and even connect you in a community. So it's not just a, a once a week hop on Facebook, but a, a like really get in the life of people and have each other encourage one another towards that. And lastly, who do you know who needs to know that there's something better than playing in the mud? Who do you get to be that person for? Who do you know today who's playing in the mud thinks that's the most life they're going to get and they don't know? I encourage you to think today and pray who those people could be.